21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Zooming awesome. Yeah, I never said that, zooming before. To have you here today, thanks so much for joining me. And thanks for joining me on my mission, our, our mission here at 21st Century Learning International, and that's building communities of learners. I've got a guy today, Dave Burgess. He teaches like a pirate, and he is definitely building communities of learners. It's not every day that I get a chance to interview a pirate, especially an edu-pirate like Dave Burgess, my guest. Dave is from the United States and is on a mission to inspire outrageous teaching that creates life-changing lessons and growth of the student spirit. He does this through presentations, his book, and his publishing company. We talk today about what his movement looks like in and outside of the classroom, how any of us can change our teaching methods, and the future of teaching like a pirate. Hey, as a postscript to this, I don't know if you know, I tend to be a very fast talker, and I have to slow down quite a bit when I'm doing podcasts like this. I think I finally met somebody who is a faster talker than I am. Enjoy the conversation. Dave Burgess, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Oh, it's my pleasure to join you. Now, I've interviewed a few people over the years, and, uh, well, the, the pirate group hasn't come across uh, the, my program yet, and it's great to have a first official pirate here, so welcome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, pirate, edu piracy is spreading across the globe, so I'm glad to be on the program. Oh, that's a good point. I guess maybe the pirates have been around longer than I thought. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, you know, you, you, you talk about uh, uh, teaching like a pirate, and so people might want to know, what does it mean? What do you mean by that? What does it mean to teach like a pirate? Yeah, so for sure. So this has nothing to do with the dictionary definition and has everything to do with the spirit. So if you think about the spirit of a pirate, the spirit is uh, a pirate is someone who's unconventional, someone who's willing to reject the status quo, someone who's willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success. They're kind of risk takers. They're mavericks. They're outside of the mainstream. And that's, so it's all about embracing that spirit of being a pirate. I saw myself as someone who was kind of outside of the mainstream. I'm sort of like that crazy guy that they gave, accidentally gave keys to one day and they haven't been able to get rid of ever since. And so that's kind of the spirit is what we're talking about. And then also pirates are known for having hooks. And so this is all about how you can add hooks into what you do in your classrooms and into your schools to draw students in like almost magically or magnetically into what you're doing in your classrooms. And so then also the word pirate actually is an acronym. So every single letter of the word pirate, the P-I-R-A-T-E, it stands for something in the pirate system. And so it's kind of all those three things wrapped into one. And how did you end up coming up with it in the first place? So you talked about how it matches your personality traits, but where did that come to you? I mean, you could have done why not why not teach like an overpaid CEO or something like that instead. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of obsessed with finding ways to package material to make it easier for people to understand, easier to spread. I call it putting handles on material to make it easier for people to pick up. With my students, like I always want to put handles on my material to make it easier for them to pick up and take with them. And that was the same thing that I wanted to do with the workshop when I first started doing the workshop. And I wanted to have a theme. I wanted to be able to model and demonstrate some of the ideas from the uh the, like the costume hook and the get the how to in, change the interior design of your room to engage kids and and so pirates appeal to me because of all those things about the spirit and the hooks and all that and then when I put the acronym I'm kind of abnormally obsessed with acronyms like many educators are 
I put the letters down to see if I could figure out an acronym for this. And I knew I wanted to talk about passion and enthusiasm. And there the P and the E were sitting at the beginning of the end of the word, like the foundation of it. And Uh I knew that I wanted to talk about creating, uh, building rapport with kids. And there the R was sitting right there in the center, like the heart of the word. And so it just, it all came together and seemed like a natural fit. Okay, it was almost destined to happen, it sounds like. It it seems like, and and then plus it also gives me the benefit of being able to walk around dressed like a pirate without without getting arrested or anything. (laughs) So far, so good, right? (laughs) So far, so good. So if you have any problems, people can just say, hey, no, no, he's a teacher, he's an educator. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, we get it. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you, you want to talk a little bit about, and I think this is a good topic, is transforming your life as an, as an educator. So people might want to know, like, what does that mean? What sort of transformation are you, are you encouraging or asking people to do? What does that mean to people? Yeah, you know, so I think that one of the, one of the secrets is that you can't always be on fire about your content. You know, so no matter what it is that you teach, there are probably days where there's something that you're covering that isn't something that you're wildly passionate about. So there's all sorts of other ways that you can tap into passion, though. Like, what is it about your profession outside of your subject matter that you're passionate about? And so we talk about creating life-changing lessons for students and how you can uh, see school as a mightier purpose. Like, you know, this isn't just about raising test scores. This is about raising human potential. And so it's tapping into those mightier purposes of why we educate, why we got into this business to begin with, and also even bringing some of your personal passions into what you do in the classroom. And so everything that I've ever gotten into as like a hobby and outside interest, it's all come back to inform my teaching. So it's encouraging teachers that, you know what, we're at school too high of a percentage of our lives to unplug ourselves when we walk through the doors of the building. So this Mm -hmm. is about kind of tapping into some of your passions, some of your talents. And, And I always tell people like, what is unique about you? Your particular strengths and talents, your voice that you add to your classroom, that's what makes you most powerful with students. And so it's kind of tapping into that as well. Now, you mentioned test scores and human potential. So uh, people like me who are in the international world, we, I think we're lucky we've been dodging the, the test score bullet. Do, do you think that raising a – how do you feel about raising a child's human potential and test scores? Are those two things at odds with each other or do they complement each other? Well, so I always tell people that like at some point in your life – uh, you have to decide whether you care more about teaching the tests or teaching the kids. And I decided a long time ago, I teach kids. And I think by focusing on uh, power, creating powerful learning experience, powerful pedagogy, and powerful teaching, you know, powerful teaching practices that in the long run, that's going to benefit the test scores anyway. But that's not that's that's never going to be my focus. I'm always going to be focusing on uh, creating life changing lessons for students. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I tell people is, you know, they'll say, well, but we have to cover all this stuff. I say, well, it doesn't matter what you say if nobody's listening. So it always comes back to engagement. And so these principles of Teach Like a Pirate are all about ramping up that engagement up to astronomical levels. Now, you talked about life-changing lessons, and I think a lot of us certainly can think back uh, teachers that we've had in lessons that have stood out, which probably were life-changing, and just as teachers or mentors to us, they were life-changing. Do you have like a, an example that you like to share that, that we can sort of grab onto and seize of what it looks like to have a life-changing lesson? Yeah, I mean, I have several examples. So, for example, um, if I'm teaching the civil rights movement, you have to think about, so what's more important to me, that they can, uh, they can spit out 
all the different things that were in the Civil Rights Act of 1964? Mm -hmm. Or is it more important to me that they gain a sense of social justice and that they are willing to, uh, first of all, that they're not racist themselves and that they were willing to stand up when they see injustice, when they see racism in the world, and they they understand the courage behind that movement, and that uh, and they're more more likely to act. And so that's both of those things I want. But if you had to ask me which one I, I prefer, I want them to I want them to have the latter, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's you know, this is another example. If I'm do, teaching the lunar landing, like a, a, you know, of course I want them to know about how it ties into the space race and the Cold War and all that. But more importantly, I want them to gain an appreciation for the idea, like how outlandish this goal was for us to walk on the moon in the 60s. Imagine the technology of the 60s, right? And we're talking about walking on the moon. It's one of the most amazing things that ever happened in the world, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's about it's about the fact that, hey, if you really set your if you set your goals, if you have the, the conviction, the courage to go after something, you can do the impossible. Like look what we did in 69. Like those obstacles that you think are standing in your way, they're nothing compared to what we overcame in 1969. Like yeah. those goals that you're not even reaching for because they seem so far out there, that, that's, they're nothing compared to what we achieved in 1969. And so it's about getting kids to reach for their goals. And so that's tied into, if you think about it, so the lesson is on the lunar landing, right? But mm-hmm. it's tied into the idea that, hey, you know what? You can do the impossible. Go so, for it. So in a sense, you're showing a model of what's could take place, as you just said, and then the kids can maybe perhaps seize or grab onto that for the future when they struggle at something, whatever that might be. Exactly. You know, like you think about someone like a, a, for in U.S. history, like an Abraham Lincoln, a failure multiple times over his whole life, you know, and bankruptcy and you know, sweetheart dying and, you know, depression, almost like suicidal and uh, failed in elections. And then becomes elected president of the United States. And so that that right there is a story of perseverance. It's a story of grit and uh, and overcoming um, obstacles. And so that's what I mean. So I don't want just them to know about Abraham Lincoln. I want them to reflect and think about how those principles are going to impact them in their life. All right. Well, now, turning into a little bit different area, Dave, so you've done uh, seminars entitled uh, Outrageous Teaching. So am, I'm right, right? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, so Outrageous okay. Teaching was the original name. It was called Outrageous Teaching, and the subtitle was Teaching Like a Pirate. And so now like uh, I, okay. I basically dropped the Outrageous Teaching, and now it's, it's Teach Like a Pirate. Okay, yep. let, me, let me ask you about that. So if I saw that as a title, I'd think, man, this is going to be awesome, and I'm, I assume it's, it is awesome. And then what, what, what would look be awesome to you? So if somebody, if I went to your Outrageous Teaching, Teach Like a Pirate seminar, what would you want to see me doing in my classroom that really showed or reflected what I'd learned from that seminar? Yeah, so I think that what I would want to see is I want you to see create an experience. So I always tell people, uh, you know, don't just teach a lesson. Create an experience for kids. Like lessons are easily forgotten, but experiences live forever. Like, you know, like they may forget that prohibition lecture, but they'll never forget going to the speakeasy. You know, it's about taking <laughs> the lessons that we teach and, and, and ramping them up to that experience level saying, here's my content. Yeah, not good enough. How do I make it come alive? How do I right. make this memorable? How do I make this learning stick? And so it's it's always going beyond the content and adding that presentational touch to it, which is what makes les- lessons come alive. Now, obviously, you're an energetic guy who can perform. Is, is it something that's just natural? Like some people can do it and others are going to struggle with it? Or can anybody do it? 
No, I absolutely think anyone could do it. And so that's one of the big pushes in the book is that uh, like creativity, for example, a lot of people think they believe in what's called the, I, I call it the myth of the blinding flash of light, right? That there's creative people and not creative people. And creative people just walk around and get hit with these lightning strikes of ideas and they sit over on the side and go, man, I wish I could get those kind of ideas too. That's not the way it works. Like there's a process to creativity. There's, uh, you know, it's very much a, a skill that, and a, an ability that can be developed. And so I do believe anybody can, can use these ideas and these strategies and techniques. And it doesn't require you to be an entertainer in order to do it. A lot of the hooks of Teach Like a Pirate, you know, are, are, are very much more student-centered as opposed to the teacher putting on a show. Okay, that's a good point, the entertainer aspect to it. Because if, if I'm watching your presentation, I'm seeing you probably as an entertainer, but you, again, you're saying I don't need to be one myself in order to do some of the things you suggest. Absolutely. I know this is about incorporating, you know, music and the arts and movement in class and, and tying your lessons in to what kids are already engaged in. And so rather than spending so much time trying to get them engaged with what we're talking about, spending more time saying, hey, what is it that they're already engaged in and how can I tie my content into that and tapping into some of their talents and passions as well. And so there's lots of different ways that that don't, um, they don't mean that you're up there doing somersaults and cartwheels and all that, although I'm perfectly happy to do those as well. Okay, so uh, midlife people, we don't have to expect to do somersaults. That's good. That's good to know that we can just, can we get your video of yeah. you doing it and saying, this is what I'll do for you if, or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Exactly, exactly. No, you, you are safe. <laughs> so you wrote a book, uh, Teach Like a Pirate, yeah. and you, you, we mentioned it here a couple times on the show already. Okay, the question is really like why? You were sitting there in your classroom having a great time creating experiences for kids, et cetera, et cetera, and did you wake up one morning and say, turn to your wife say, honey, I got to write a book? How, what was the evolution of that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was asked to do a professional development workshop for uh, my peers in my district, and that's where it all came from. And so I, I was speaking about Teach Like a Pirate and doing workshops and seminars all over for years and years and years before there was a book. So a lot of people write a book and go around and speak about it. I think it should always be the opposite. I think you should uh, speak, see what resonates, see what works, see what's effective with teachers. And then at that point, you write a book. So that's what I did. You know, five, it was five, six years into the game of speaking uh, before I actually wrote the book. And then, you know, so many people were saying like, hey, is there a book about you know, after the workshop? They're coming up and asking for the book and stuff. As, uh, so I, I had to tackle it. Okay, gotcha. So now I, I imagine that when you were first teaching, you were maybe a little bit of an outlier in the way you taught. Would that be correct? Oh, uh, absolutely, That'd yeah. And so when you're an outlier, you're often told that what you're doing is wrong. And so as an outlier, how did you transition from someone who, and I'm just sort of guessing here that you were told you were wrong, transition from somebody who wasn't maybe supported to suddenly being somebody who's looking to make a movement to support the kind of teaching that you're doing and not make it an outlier's way of teaching, make it a typical way of teaching? How did that happen? Yeah, and and so part of that is uh, by becoming a connected educator. And so I, if you're not receiving the support that you need in your system, uh -huh. that's part of why it's so important to, to, to move beyond your system and to become a connected educator and you know get involved with building a professional learning community, a professional learning network, and and giving yourself access to support from outside of the outside of your system. Okay. And so that was that was a big thing for me is becoming a connected educator. Now, was that just sort of serendipitous that you came across these people that thought or shared similar views? Or were you just lucky in a sense that that happened, that technology has enabled that? Uh, I think the movement has been, the technology has certainly helped the movement spread. But when, like when I first started, I mean, I, 
I had an evangelical zeal for this message. Uh-huh. And so I would travel any, I mean, I would travel anywhere in the world that anyone would listen to me. And so this was all at my own expense at first. Like I, I just submitted conference proposals everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and if your conference said I could come and do my little uh, pirate shtick for an hour, 90 minutes, I, I bought a plane ticket, a ho- got a hotel room, a conference registration, and I went there and I put on a show. Right? I, walk, I would walk around these conferences dressed like a pirate. No, no one knew who I was at this point. And I basically recruited people to come into my room. And I wrote up my session description like to make it sound like you were going to Disneyland. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, and, and so then we would, we would direct people into these rooms. And I was just, we broke fire code after fire code <laughs> as we would jam people into these sessions. Room. And everyone else would stand up and st- at the podium and read their you know, 250 bullet point PowerPoint slides. And, and I, I didn't even have a PowerPoint. I had a foam board at the front of the room that said the number one top secret way to become a better lover that people saw when they walked in. <laughs> right, and then right. I just got up. I, I just got up. I, I went and would go off. I would just, you know, bring the intensity, the energy, and and just try to. My goal always when I speak is I'm gonna I'm gonna light this place on fire and burn it down around these people, and so that's what I would do with these workshops, and then the movement started to spread. So, what is the number one way to become a better secret lover? Oh, uh, you know what? That's gonna be you're gonna have to see the live program for that. I think uh, or, it's in the you're I good. chat. It's in the. It's in the I chapter of Teach Like a Pie writ to the I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, well, I thought I'd give it a shot since yeah. we're doing recording. Uh, so you, you, you're, yeah. you're doing the evangelical thing. You're spreading your movement. You're running around initially as a pirate. People thought you were a little nutty, yep. but it, obviously it's worked out for you. But you're expanding that movement now. You, you, do, you didn't just publish your own book. You're now publishing other people. For example, Matt Miller, who I interviewed on the program a, a few weeks ago. How did that happen, and, and do you see that as a path forward uh, to expand and spread your, your ideas? Yeah, absolutely. So this started because uh, you know a publishing camp company came to me and wanted to do wanted me to have a do a book for them on Teach Like a Pirate. Uh-huh. Sat down, met with them, and I was shocked and stunned to find out what a traditional publishing contract looks like. I, I couldn't believe it. To me, the only thing missing is a ski mask and a gun. Like when you look at those <laughs> contracts. And you think that like, I'm like, wait, I'm, like, I'm going to write this book. It's my intellectual property. I'm going to travel around and speak. I'm going to build a social media platform. And, and you make how much money? And how, I make how much money? It just didn't make any sense to me. And then they, they wanted to take creative control of the book. They wanted to remove some of the edgier stuff. They said it's too personal. You know, you wrote about walking through the canyons with your kids in this book. You wrote about your favorite Christmas carol in this book. That doesn't belong in a professional educational read. Where are the research studies? Where's the data? And that wasn't the book I was looking to write. This was my story. This was my manifesto from a right. practicing edu- uh, practicing teacher to other teachers in the field about how I thought we could change education and a practical roadmap for exactly how to do it. So I told all those publishing companies exactly where to go. I formed my own publishing company and I published Teach Like a Pirate for my kitchen table. And so that's exactly where it all started. And then in the process of learning how to do all that and learning how to get a message to spread, uh, other people started to contact me and say, you know, for advice on publishing and on marketing. And it just it, it became clear that our next step, uh, Shelly, my wife, and myself, our next step was to help other educators get their their messages out into the world in the same way that I had. And so that's what we do now. We're on fire about it. Like you mentioned, Matt would ditch that textbook. It's amazing. Uh-huh. And now we have we we've published thirteen books up to this point with about you know five or six more in editing as I'm speaking to you right now. And so that is absolutely our current mission. 
Um, Teach Like a Pie was never meant to be the end of the story. It's just my story. And so now we're finding the best of the best practitioners out there who are actually doing this stuff and helping them get their message out into the world. So I assume you haven't become the evil publishing agent that you just talked about, that your contracts aren't nearly quite as restrictive. Oh, they're so author friendly. Yeah, no, we give we give uh, full creative control to our authors, and uh, we give unbelievable percentages that are multitudes of what the a typical contract is. And uh, you know, they get to des- help design their own covers. And you know, I talk to authors all the time who are dissatisfied with their own book or don't like how their book looks. And like to us, that's just stunning. Like, like, how could you not be happy with your own book? Like, it's your book. Right. And so we want every single author to be just uh, just to love holding their book, sharing their book. And so we, we make sure that that comes true for them. It's so interesting now that that's all been disintermediated. It used to be you had to go through the publisher. You just, there was no physical way to get your book published. You just didn't have the printing press. But thanks to the Internet, you can just self-publish, like you were saying. And essentially, you must be creating a large PLN, personal learning network, that you've talked about earlier that allows you to yeah. communicate somebody's different book other than yours that comes out. Is that really the key to your marketing success, or is there something else? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, authentic interactions, um, and especially right. in social media, right? And so you see a lot of people, authors, who, uh, if you look at their social media feed, it reads like um, a, a bullhorn. Buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, you know, like my Facebook page, buy, buy my book. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and we work really hard with our authors to make sure that they are um, authentically interacting with their community and that they're a valued member of the community uh, before they publish. So we're not looking for people to just write books that want to go live off in a, you know, as a hermit somewhere. We want people that, that are connecting, interacting. And they're, I always tell people, if you, if you concentrate on selling books, you will never be effective. What you have to concentrate on is spreading your message. And if you have, um, if you have, if, if you are on fire and passionate about your message and spreading your message, then that eventually will sell books. Gotcha. All right. So we're coming towards the end of our time. So I like to ask the final. I always usually ask a, a, a future type question. So. Yeah, it's pretty clear you communicate what your mission is. What do you hope to see that look like in 10 years or more or so? Let's say we were to talk again at that point. What would, what, what would it look like? Yeah, so I think that by in 10 years, we're going to have a full line of educational books, which no matter what you are into in education, we're going to have something that's going to help you become more powerful, whether you're an educational leader or any subject area or anything that you do. And um, I also see probably in 10 years – that we're going to maybe be hosting some live events, maybe some pirate boot camps and some you know, multiple day events where we bring in our authors and create just incredible experiences, hopefully life transformational experiences um, in person, face-to-face as well. I've been talking with Dave Burgess. He's an educational pirate, edu-pirate, I guess, as he would describe himself. Thanks so much for your time today, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure to join you. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.